Thank you, Father. And as we come to your word, Lord, we ask that you would speak into our hearts and into our lives, that the word would be relevant to where we are in our walk with God. I pray that there would be an impartation of the Holy Spirit, Lord, not just, uh, Lord, the, the letter of the word, but there would be an impartation of the, of the Spirit of God, life that would come from the word. And so we, we pray for your help and your assistance and everything that's said and done in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone. Praise okay. God. We'll be praying. Praise God. We'll continue to pray. Happy. Amen. Praise God. I want to know, uh, uh, does anybody have a problem with sin? Like I do? Amen. You know, we, we can be, well, Sandy, this message is just for you I and know, I, you know. So, <laughs> so uh, um, I, I think that we'll find as we go through the Word today that, that we, we've got a problem uh, with sin and we all have to deal with it. And so uh, I want to share uh, a little story of, that, that happened a long time ago when Mom was still with me. Uh, we'd gone to, she'd gone to the dentist and you know, dentist waiting rooms are not the most appealing places. So I went outside and I sat in the car where it was a little bit warmer. And I was sitting there and there was a big um, compost heap uh, in, in front of the car. And I heard this noise, this rustling going on. And I thought, that's strange. And it, it, would, it would rustle a little bit and stop. And rustle a little bit and stop. And I, uh, well, I heard rats live in compost heaps, you know, because it's warm and dry. And I thought, well, maybe it's a rat. Uh, and then it seemed to jump off the ground. I thought, I've never seen jumping rats. You know, that, I, I, I wonder what's going on. And it really intrigued my interest. You know, I thought, I, I've got to investigate. So I, I got out the car and I, I quietly crept up. And I, I noticed it was a little house sparrow. And uh, it, it was covered in bird lime. And it was frantically trying to, trying to break free. And the more it struggled, the more it seemed to get entangled in this bird lime. And the, the more hopeless it became. <coughs> and so I, I was looking at I thought, I've, I've got to catch this bird and try. And, so I, I, I did that. And, and I, I removed the, the bird lime. And all you animal lovers and bird lovers will be happy to know I managed to get all the bird lime off. And I let it go. And it was great. But you know, immediately I saw a parallel with, with our lives, as it were, uh, with this little bird. It had been enticed into the compost heap uh, in, in the search of tasty little grubs. I know you wouldn't go there, but for, for a sparrow, it, it wouldn't be very nice. So it was enticed into the compost to find these grubs and, what, and didn't realize the danger that lurked there. And that's why it became trapped. And uh, I, I want to read a verse of scripture. And we're going to be basing our, our comments basically in Proverbs chapter 7. That's going to be the, the major part of our teaching this morning. But I just want to uh, refer to one or two verses before we get there this morning. James chapter 1 and verse 14. And this is especially for those of you who didn't raise your hands this morning. It says, but every man is tempted <laughs> uh, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. You see, it just so happens that temptation comes to all of us. I remember uh, I was listening to uh, uh, Kenneth Hagin one day, and somebody came to him and, and they said, Please, I want you to pray for me. He said, Sure, what, what can I pray for? 
He said, I want you to pray that I won't be tempted anymore. And Kenneth Abraham looked shocked. He said, you want me to pray that you wouldn't want to die? And the guy said, no, 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 of course not, no, no. He said, well, while you're in this body, while you live and breathe, you're going to have to deal with temptation. The only way that you, you don't deal with temptation is when you're dead. So uh, it, it was a, a, a kind of a, a reminder that we all have to deal with that temptation. You know, the truth is that even Jesus was tempted, wasn't he? Yes. And yet without sin. So we, we all have to deal with this emotion called temptation. Every man, while you and I live and breathe, we're going to be tempted. Uh, but if we give in to our temptations, how many know that that leads to death? Lust, sin, death, LSD. Uh, so uh, you can have that one for free. But, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's deadly stuff. But, you know, if we give in to temptations, we'll die. Remember what Jesus said in John 10, 10? He said, the thief comes not for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. What we don't understand many times, that there is a battle raging in the spirit world, and it's raging over our soul. It's raging over whether we'll go to heaven or hell. The devil is contesting for your body in exactly the way that he contested for Moses' body. He wants to try and entice you and lead you away from God so that you will sin and end up dead. So, make no mistake, you know, the enemy has studied uh, your, your life and my life. None of us are exempt. And he knows which buttons to press to, to uh, bring about our destruction. Amen? Amen. Hello, I've, got, I've convinced, one, I've convinced one or two more of you. We, we're getting there. Hallelujah. <laughs> And so he studies us and, and he knows that we all have vulnerabilities. We all have weaknesses. Now, our weaknesses might be different, but we all have weaknesses. We're all vulnerable in some area of sin or another. And, you know, for, for one, it might be pornography. For another, it might be alcoholism. For another, it might be bitterness or unforgiveness. Or, you know, you name the sin, there's one that, that it seems to be uh, a, a sin that is dominant in your life. Uh, one that seems to overcome us more regularly. And that's the sin that the, the devil uses to entice us away from God. And the whole battle is over whether you will serve God with your life or whether you'll serve the devil with your life. That's what this existence that we call life is all about. And most people in the world don't generally understand that. They don't understand that there's a battle over the souls of mankind and, and it goes on in the heavenlies all the time. And every man and every woman is vulnerable. Proverbs is one of the wisdom books. And I just want to read uh, Proverbs chapter 7 because this talks about the anatomy of seduction. And it's been quite a different kind of service this morning. But we're going to talk about the anatomy of seduction. And regardless of your temptation, regardless of, of what your Achilles heel uh, is, um, the, the, the process that we go through is found here in uh, Proverbs chapter 7. And so we're going to go through Proverbs chapter 7 and draw out some parallels and try and apply it to our life. Proverbs chapter 7, and I'm reading uh, from, from verse 6. And it says this, For at the window of my house I looked through the, my casement, and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned amongst the ewes a young man void of understanding, passing through the streets near her corner, and he went uh, the way to her house. Verse 9, And in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot, 
and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn, and her feet abide not in her house. Now she is without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him with an impudent face and said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day I have paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. For the good man is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He had taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the appointed day. And with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield with flattering of her lips. She forced him. He goeth, verse 22, jump down, says, He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or a fool to the stocks of correction, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hateth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend unto the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths, for she has cast down many wounded. And yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Listen to that. Many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. In those passages of Scripture, you find a pattern that is applicable to each and every one of us, regardless of our temptation. Regardless of what sin we're struggling, there are parallels in this passage of Scripture that will show us uh, what, what is going on and, and really how we can uh, avoid it. The first one I want to draw your attention to is verse 8. It says, he was near her corner. Okay, this was talking about a young man who is void of understanding, who goes down to hell to the, the ways of death. And so we, we see that he didn't understand what was going on. In other words, he didn't understand that the real battle in life is over whether you serve Jesus Christ or whether you serve the devil. It's over your soul. It's over your relationship with Christ. And if the devil can entice you away and get you involved in sin, he can separate you from the Lord if you continue to, to follow the devil's path. So his first mistake would be near her corner. He was near her temptation. So the first lesson that we have to learn about temptation is don't go near it. It sounds obvious, but it's something that we have to actually, actually make a point of making sure that we don't place ourselves in a position of vulnerability. Amen? Amen? We need to be in a place where we're staying far away from the place of temptation. In other words, if your temptation is alcohol, don't go down the street late at night past the, the pubs and the off-licenses. Because that's just a recipe for your destruction. Can I have an amen? amen. You see, we've got to be wise. We need to be, we need to be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Don't go into a place where you can be tempted. Put as many barriers and obstacles in, 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 the, in the area of your weakness as you possibly can. You know, one of those things would be to, to tell you, your husband or your wife the things that you're struggling with. As you open up, make yourself accountable. And don't go near the place of temptation. You know, and, and if you're accountable, it, it helps 
uh, you to walk in the paths of righteousness. Can I have an amen? Amen. You see, it, I've been a pastor for nearly 40 years now. And I've come to know that there's some Christians who want to walk as close to the edge as possible. You know, I'm not in the world. But I, I, I'm in the church, but they want to walk as close to the edge as possible. How many know that those guys don't always stay in the church? Yeah. You know, they, they, stood, they trip over and they end up falling in, into the things uh, of the world. You know? So, don't go near temptation because it will seduce you and you will be destroyed. The Bible says the person who does that, it describes him as being foolish, empty-headed, simple, void of understanding. You know, because it's a battle over your soul. And the more you get involved in sin, and the more you practice sin, the more likely it is that you're going to fall away from the Lord. If you're serving God with all your heart and having nothing to do from, with sin, how many you know that you're going to walk with the Lord all the days of your life? Amen. 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 You see, and so we have to make sure that we understand that the battle is over the soul of our life. Keep as far away of temptation as we possibly can. So that's step number one. Verse nine gives us another insight that's worth uh, taking note of. It says, in the black and the dark night. In the black and the dark night. You know, there's some things that we only allow into our lives in darkness. You know, we, we sometimes hide the things that we don't want others to know about ourselves. You know, Christians often wear masks. You say to them, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Meanwhile, there's a raging battle going on in their life with sin. And they are losing that battle. But they won't be honest. They put the mask on, they hide, and they say, no, no, they keep it in the dark. Whatever you are tempted to hide is something that you really need to deal with. You really need to get to grips with it and bring it out into the light. Because darkness is where evil proliferates, isn't it? Darkness is the devil's playground. Beware when you feel the need to hide your actions because that should be ringing alarm bells in your spirit. What are you doing? What are you hiding? What are you not letting your brothers and sisters know about? Why are you in the dark when you're a child of the light? You know, we've got, to, we've got to look at that. Darkness is where evil operates. And if we, if we go into that place and start to hide things from our brothers and sisters, we become vulnerable. You know, it's that, it's that whole principle of accountability. And, and let me just say this by parenthetical thought here. Um, be careful who you share your, your vulnerabilities with. You know, some people, just because they go to church doesn't mean it's a good person to confide in. You know, they might be dealing with gossip and you go and confide your innermost secrets to them and before you know it, it's all over the church and all over the community. Be careful who you, you share with. But you know, if you can find a trusted person, you know, somebody, uh, you know, one of the leaders of the church or something like that, you, you can actually relate to and be honest with them. Bring it out of the darkness and into the light because the darkness is the devil's playground. Darkness is where the devil operates. You know, I, I came across this story that um, kind of amused me. It was about a, a burglar who, who picked a particularly dark night to go and rob a house. And uh, he crept in, and as, as he crept in, he's moving around the house, and uh, he, he heard a voice that just, uh, just sent chills down his mouth. He heard, Jesus is watching you. 
And that guy's heart just about jumped out of his chest. He had, and, and he looked around, he shone the light around. Nothing, nothing. Did I, did I, did I hear that? You know? Was it, did I imagine it? Nothing. Carries on going. And suddenly, clear as a belly, Jesus is watching you. And I thought, no. And he turned him the torch around, and he sees the parrot. And he says, was that you? He said, that. He said, yeah. He said, yeah. I said, that you. I, I was just trying to warn you that Jesus is watching you. And the thief said, warn me? He said, yeah, you warn me. Who do you think you are? He said, I'm Moses. <laughs> so guys, Moses, he said, what kind of person names a silly bird Moses? He said, the same kind of people that named their rock Viola Jesus. Jesus is watching you. <laughs> There's danger in the darkness. Notice verse 10. Verse 10 also gives us a highlight of what we need to be aware of. Verse 10 talks about the attire of the harlot. It's the lure. You know, when I, when I was a youngster, I loved fishing, bass fishing. To me, that, that if, if I was God creating uh, paradise, I would create New Zealand. And uh, the only difference I would make is I would have bass fishing in New Zealand. Okay, I love bass fishing. Uh, because it's a cross between hunting and, and fishing. And as, as a young boy, uh, I, I couldn't afford the expensive lures that everybody else was using on my pocket money. So my friend and I decided that we would make our own lures. And we, we'd go around to a wedding and we'd collect all the champagne corks. And uh, we, we would make, we put a little a screw head in there so we could attach our fishing line there and attach a hook to it and, and then uh, put some uh, like streamers kind of to hide the hook. And, we, and then we'd paint eyes on, on our champagne cork to make it look as fishy as possible. Uh, fish are dumb, you know, they, they're really dumb. And so we'd, we'd cast them in and then you, you, you put it and uh, upon the water, and because it, it's not very uh, aerodynamically designed, it makes this blop, blop every time you put it. And of course, that attracts the fish. And, it, and we caught many bass on our champagne corks. It was, it was the lure uh, that, that uh, took them in and they, they were hooked. But verse 10 talks about the allure uh, of the harlot. It was her attire. You know, the lure is something that gets your heart beating and your palms sweating. I know this doesn't happen to anybody other than me. <laughs> yeah. But, the, you know, it, it's, the, the idiot doesn't realize that this, this is a, uh, those are the signs warning him that this is for your life. Watch out. You know, when you get to that place and, you, and your heart starts pumping and your hands start sweating because you've been lured, you are in danger. You've got to do what Joseph did. Remember what Joseph did? He ran. Immediately you find yourself in that place where, where you are being attracted by the lure. Uh, you need to run and you start quoting scriptures and you start singing songs. If you do that, you will be free. Amen. Amen. Every time you find yourself suddenly tempted, begin to quote scripture. Begin to sing and praise the Lord. Bring God into it and you will walk in victory. If you linger while your palms are sweating and your heart is racing... You will be lost. You will be seduced by the devil. You see, there is a power to sin, isn't there? We've all experienced it to some degree or another. 
But the sin can hold you fast and will not let you go. And the more you struggle over these issues and try and break free, it's like that little bird in, in, in the bird line. The more it was panicked and tried to flutter, and the more tangled in the bird line it became. And it became hopelessly ensnared. And when we are, are not calling out to God and not seeking God when our palms are sweating and our heart is racing, we are ensnared by the devil. And he will hold us fast and there is no escaping whatever that, that happens the more you struggle the more you become asleep. you'll be trapped and tormented and one day as we give an account before God before the throne of grace we will be terrified because of the life that we've lived because we never brought God into it so watch out for the lure watch out for the thing that that tempts you to go into sin and run away from it as fast as you can like Joseph Verse 19 is another uh, indication that we need to uh, look out for here. It says, it says, for the good man is not at home. This is, she's trying to allure him and entice him to come home with her. And she's like, don't worry, you know, my husband's not there. He's gone on a journey. He's taken a bag of money. He's not coming back until he's spent all the money. And uh, so we've got our time to ourselves. You know, and she tries to persuade him with, with fair words. How many of you know that sometimes people, when they want you to do something, um, they, they will tell you, that's okay, when you know it's not. They'll say, it's okay, I've done it, I've done it for years. You know, people, I, I used to hang around with, with uh, a lot of drug addicts in my, in my younger days, and uh, they were always trying to get me to take drugs. Praise God, I don't know why they let me hang out, but I never took them. And, uh, but they, they let me into their inner circle. But they would come to me and say, just try it. Just try it. It's okay. I've been taking drugs for a long time and, and it, it won't hurt you. I want to say to you, be careful of the lies people tell you. But be much more careful of the lies you tell yourself. They are deadly. If you think you can handle this, that you can, you can play with, with fire and not be burned, you are in deep trouble. And you need to turn around and cry out to God because as surely as that bird was ensnared, you'll be ensnared, ensnared uh, uh, just as well. You know, the simple don't understand. They've been led to the slaughter. Look at verse 22. He goes straightway as an ox to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Verse 23. Till the dart strike through his liver and as a bird hasteneth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. You know, there are many people in the church and that uh, uh, play games with God. And they, they get involved in things that they shouldn't be involved in. They, they, they watch things on TV that they shouldn't uh, watch on TV. And they find that they, they keep on going back. They keep on doing those things and uh, they entice them. And they think, well, man, if my wife finds out or the boss finds out, or heaven forbid, if the police find out, you know, they find themselves ensnared in a trap. And that's what sin will do. It might not be any of those things, but you can be sure that it's going to take you. Uh, and, and actually, uh, you'll find that, you're, that it's a futile effort to try and break free on your own attempt. The enemy of their soul has taken them captive. When you give into sin, no matter what sin, whether it's bitterness, unforgiveness, Whatever the sin, when you give in to the sin, uh, you, you are being taken captive of the enemy of your souls. And you know, if we're not careful, you know, we will repeat that sin 
over and over again. Like a dog returning to its vomit, the Bible says. They repeat the cycle of sin. And you know when that happens, it grows. And it grows stronger and stronger and stronger. And it becomes a hopeless situation. The devil knows how to truly ensnare them. He knows the inevitability is death. He has gone for their souls. But thank God there's good news. Amen? Amen. There is Jesus. You know, these people who get ensnared uh, in, in sin end up stop going uh, uh, to uh, fellowship with God. The next thing they stop going to church. And before they know it, they're, they're back in the world. But Jesus has come to break that cycle. I thank God there is good news in the scriptures yes. to help us with our sin. Every single one of us has to deal with sin because we are all tempted. But there is hope in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. To bear it. You see, Jesus is our help. Jesus is our strength. He's come to break the, the chains of darkness. He's come to set the prisoner free. I love Psalm 107 and, and verse 15. Let me read it to you. And I, and I hope you'll enjoy it too. It says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. That, we could just stop there. That's a great scripture, isn't it? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. It's a wonderful thing to praise the Lord for His goodness. Let me read on. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 16. For He had broken... The gates of brass, and he's cut asunder the bars of iron. Hallelujah. Jesus comes to set the captives free. And you know, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with, no matter how big or how small, God wants to set you free from those things. Colossians 1.13 is, is a beautiful scripture speaking about Jesus, who has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's nothing like the truth to destroy the power of deception. She was trying to deceive him and say, hey, the, the good man won't be harmed. We can get involved in sin and it's okay. Um, but the truth will set you free. There's nothing like the truth to destroy the power of deception. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Let me say here and now, it's not the truth that you've heard that sets you free. It's not even, you can hear it and still be in bondage. You can even say it and still be in bondage. It doesn't say the truth that you have heard sets you free. It's a, the truth that you know. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. When you know what Christ has done for you, there is no sin that can bind you. There's no prison that can hold you. There's no lie that can deceive you. There's no sin that can keep you. Amen? Amen. You see, you, when you know what Christ has done, remember in Daniel 11, he says, the people that know their God shall be strong. It's that intimacy. It's that knowledge of the Holy One that, that enables them to do exploits for God. And in exactly the same way that those that know that Christ has set us free will actually walk and live in freedom. 
It's not about just confessing it. It's knowing that, hey, behind that confession, there is the cross. Behind the confession is the plan of salvation that God has come to set us free. And so the devil is no longer our master when we know and understand what Christ has done for us. The devil cannot torment us anymore when we know what the plan of salvation and what God has done for us. Come on, can anybody praise the Lord for what he's done? You see, it's the power of the cross. At the cross, Jesus overcame the devil. He destroyed the power of sin in our life. And he sets the captives free. It was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus paid the perfect sacrifice to deliver you and I from all our sins. We are no longer subject to the life of sin. We will still be tempted. But when you know the truth, The truth shall set you free. When you know Christ, when you know the power of the cross, when you know the power of His blood, you will never again be enslaved and the devil will no longer be your master. Remember what Jesus said, uh, the the, the scriptures say, 1 John 3, 8, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest. For this purpose, for this reason, that's why He came. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, to destroy the works of the devil. When you know that the power of sin and Satan is destroyed, you can live a life of righteousness. You can walk and abide in the truth, knowing what Christ has done for us. Thank you, Jesus. But you know, we have to believe it to receive it. You know, it cost Jesus his life to purchase our freedom from sin. It was the ultimate sacrifice he sealed in his own blood. We need to believe it to receive it. We have a new master, our Father in heaven. He is cha- he's in charge and He loves us. The truth is, we are children of the kingdom, children of light, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, sons and daughters of the Most High. We are His beloved children. Amen. Amen. That's what God has done for us. It's wonderful. Now, the devil runs from us. The devil's intimidated because he knows when we know who we are in Christ, that we can turn his kingdom upside down. Submit yourselves unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Hallelujah. You see, when we understand the power of the cross, when we understand what Christ has done, there is no sin that can hold us captive any longer. The devil runs from us. We can bind him. We can destroy his plans in our life. Remember what the Bible says in Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. It doesn't matter what the devil does. He's still going to be checkmated. He's still going to lose in the end because no weapon formed here. I want to read uh, one scripture with you. Uh, It's found in Isaiah 49 and verse 25. I love this. It says this, But thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. He's speaking of those that have been bound by the devil. And God is saying, I'm going to take them away. I'm going to deliver deliver them. The the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contendeth with thee, and I will save thy children, and I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood, as sweet wine and all flesh shall know. That I, the Lord, and the Savior, and thy Redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob, hallelujah, God says, I will deliver you from even the strongest temptation, from the terrible one, from the mighty one of darkness, you will walk out, because God has delivered us. 
When we stand up against the enemy, God stands right behind us, ensuring our victory. Can you say amen? You see, we are more than conquerors. And when temptation comes, we need to, we need to stand up and confess. I, I love that uh, Philemon 1.6, you know, that the communication of thy faith might become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You have to acknowledge the good things that Christ has done in order for you to experience. It strengthens your faith. And when your faith is strong, you walk in victory. And so there's a principle here that we need to acknowledge the, the things, the good things in our faith. Let me read that verse to you once again. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual. By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So, to put that into practice, let's say the power of sin is destroyed in my life. Will you join me in saying that? The power of sin is destroyed in my life. Now let's convince the devil that you believe it. The power of sin is destroyed in my life. Hallelujah. Once more, the power of sin is destroyed in my life. Hallelujah. When we confess that, when we speak that out, there is a spiritual reality that the devil must acknowledge. That our faith is an operation and we will walk in victory. That's why I had you say it. Because when we, when we encounter temptation, we speak these things out and we confess the word of God, we will walk in victory. Claim your freedom. It's your rightful inheritance. Every single one of us should be living in absolute victory. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. Leave your deceptions behind you. Yes. Now walk away. Or from all that has taken you captive. Change now. Jesus Christ has made this possible. Your deliverance came at infinite cost to the Savior. He paid a king's ransom so that you and I could live righteously in in the Lord. But we need to believe it, we need to know it, and we need to receive it. But you know, as wonderful as that news is, there's an even greater news that I want to share with you this morning. We've been set free from sin, but there's a purpose to it, because Jesus is coming back for His church. He's coming back for you and I. And we're going to reign and live in glory. We're going to be with the Savior forever and ever. Jesus is coming back soon. We're going to leave this sin-soaked world far behind us. Remember what it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16? For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We are going to be with the Lord. Those who walk in righteousness and live in righteousness have an expectation of living in glory with Jesus for the rest of the, uh, eternity. And that is the great hope. It's going to be worth it all when we come to meet Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you like to give the Lord glory for your hands and your bring this to a close this morning we all struggle with temptation and I just want to, I want to come before you and just say let's take a moment and just recognize that uh, we need to put obstacles in, in, in the path of our temptation recognize where we are weak and, and seek God for what we can do about it bring it out into the light don't let it fester in the darkness 
but bring it to Jesus that Jesus might deal with us. Hallelujah. I just want to give you maybe 60 seconds to start the process, to listen to God, to hear what the Lord would say to you. This is what I want you to deal with. What is that thing that God is saying to you now that he wants to deal with? I remember going back to when my children were very small and um, I remember I, I said, oh, I need to I need to clean the car and I'm so tired. Ever been there? You know that there are things that you need to do and sometimes you just voice them out loud. Well, Rich was about four years old and he decided that, hey, he wanted to help his dad. And so he got hold of the hose pipe and he had sprayed everything, my neighbor's yard, everything. But he tried to clean my car. Uh, to say that it was worse than when uh, he, uh, he started uh, would be an understatement. But you know, there was something that happened in my heart. My heart was just overflowing with love for my child because he'd heard the burden of my heart. That this is something I wanted. And he thought, I want to help my dad. I want to do something that pleases my dad. And my heart could have burst with pride. I was so delighted uh, in, in, in what he was doing. You know, I think when we look at our lives and we say, Lord, I know that this is only a small issue, but I want to deal with it. I think we invoke that same kind of loving response in the heart of God. God is so delighted over our decision to get real and to deal with the issues that, that are, are besetting us and overcoming us. When we endeavor to do that and say, God, help me to change, I believe the heart of God is so moved and so uh, as He's so loving towards us as we endeavor to serve Him. Let's just bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that for each and every one of us that's listening here, Lord, we know that none of us are immune from the attacks of the enemy, that we all have issues that we are trying to deal with. And, uh, Lord, sometimes we, we've been in you, very successful, but other times there's small issues that seem to slip away from us and we need to bring them under the blood today. And I just pray for my brothers and my sisters, I pray for myself, my wife, and my family, Lord, that we would come before you and ask you to help us, that you would shine the light of your Holy Spirit into our hearts and show us, Lord, the things that you would have us deal with this morning. Lord, that whatever it is, no matter how big or how small, that you would reveal to us the things that we need to bring to the cross. Lord, that we would put under the blood, that we would repent of. And so, Heavenly Father, I just want to lift up uh, my brothers, my sister, my loved ones, myself, my family, Lord. We commit each other into your care and keeping. We ask, Lord, that you would draw us close to you, that we would experience 
that, that joyful heart, that loving heart. Lord, I could have popped with pride with my son's attempt to clean my car. And Lord, I just pray that, that each and every one of us would experience that the love of the Father uh, this, this week as we endeavor to even put those little foxes, um, under, uh, Lord, under the blood of Jesus. So Father, I commit your people into your care and keeping. I pray that you bless us and minister to us, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. I wonder if I could ask uh, Dave and Steve to come up and do a closing song for us this morning. Pastor, can I ask you for a prayer?